Thank you for that reading, Deacon. Uh, Micah, the sixth chapter and the eighth verse. And we see that that's an Old Testament passage of what is required of us, of what we should be doing. We see that King Cyrus probably was a king that maybe kind of did those things. No man we know can do it perfectly or in their own righteousness or way, but we see God providence in his in his life and the anointing that was upon him him as king and as Cyrus and that prophesied at some hundred and sixty years before the time of Cyrus. Uh so this is about Cyrus again, the king of Persia, servant of God, and God's anointed. This is part two. Now the I started the last two times with a lot of biography and I'll give you some more sarity uh biography of King Cyrus. But I told you he was a secular ruler and as I was telling my physical therapist the other day, is that when you have something that's secular and it's a resource that's in the Bible Sometimes the secular or give you a good background, a good intimation of how that person was or what they was. And that we see of Cyrus, and a lot of people use it for good or bad because there's a lot of history on Cyrus. And I told you about the Cyrus cylinder that they had uh, in history that they do have uh, on display. I forgot what where it's at. I think it's somewhere in... Asia, maybe Europe, Britain, or so. I didn't forget. I'm sorry, I didn't look that far. I didn't even mean to say all that on the issue. But Cyrus is a king, and since you read that verse that we know what to do, we can see maybe in God's providence, he's like a lot of people that they do good, they do good things, and we know that those that came to the Lord and said, Lord, Lord, hadn't we done all these things in your name? See, there's some good you can do without knowing God that those are part of what are the standards of the thing that God does have for us. And reading this scripture, he says, you know what's required of you. There are some people that know in the society that you're supposed to do good. God says to be humble, but not a lot of religions and this nation teach not humility or being humble, but they teach self ambition, independence, pride, and it's if you follow this nation, the ideology of this nation or the thinking, you will have a big problem with a religion like Christianity. Because it's far away from being humble. This is not a humble nation. It's not humble people. But the Persian ruler Cyrus was an instrument to deliver Israel from Babylonians' captivity. Babylonian was more like than this nation is today, and I think that the world system is like the Babylonian system, and God calls everybody out of that Babylonian system. Cyrus being a type of Christ, that same Christ that Cyrus is a type of, he had came and he laid the foundation like Cyrus laid the foundation for rebuilding the temple of God's people and patriotic, patriotic the people back to 
Jerusalem and starting. See, he didn't start the cities in the building. He did, but the scripture says that the restoration would start, but it started with him building the temple. He laid the foundations. He started and told the people to go back and build the temple. That's where we start. That's where the kingdom of God starts at. That's what in the book of Daniel, that stone that was carved out without hands, that's what he's in the process of doing, building the kingdom of God. And with that, he's building us up, lively stones. We are the temple of God. We're the temple that's made without hands. So He, we are built up on Jesus Christ. Nothing shall prevail against that building, that church, the church of Jesus Christ. And so just like Cyrus, he had set the captives free. He had set us free to be that we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We're no longer in bondage. We could come back and whatever material things we have, we contribute to the building of God's king. Yes. So we see where Cyrus was a type of Jesus Christ. And if we're born again sons of God and he had given us the ability to become sons of God, we want to be in his image and in his likeness so that our lives would be like the, the life of Jesus Christ and we'll see some of the goodness that was in Cyrus, that goodness that's within us, that Christ, it's a derivative of what Christ is and what Christ gives us because there's none good but God and that which is good in us, it should be attributed to God and not to us. God gives the foreigner Cyrus God's own title, he God's own work to do a striking sign of God's work in all the peoples everywhere. So in, within Cyrus, like I said, that's the symbol and that's the type within this foreign ruler, this Gentile ruler. Even more surprising, Cyrus is named God's anointed, that is God's Messiah in Hebrew. Israel's priest in the book of Leviticus 4 and 3 and the prophets in Psalms 105, 15 would be or could be called God's anointed. And, but first and foremost, the anointed one is the king, that is in 1 Samuel 16, 6, Psalms 2 and 2. So the, we see Nebuchadnezzar was called a servant of God. Here Cyrus is his servant. But here he gives him a title of anointed. And that word anointed, we can get back to the title of Messiah. The Messiah. And we know only Jesus Christ was called the Messiah. He was the Messiah. So Cyrus here is a type of that. Cyrus is the king uh, mentioned more than 30 times in the Bible and is identified as the great Cyrus, also Cyrus II, or Cyrus the Elder. He reigned in Persia between 539 and 530 B.C. This pagan king is important in Jewish history because it is under his rule that the Jews were first allowed to return after 70 years of captivity, and his name precludes this return. And it was mentioned that by name that he would be the one instrumental in sending them back and initiating this, that God stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, and Cyrus made this proclamation saying that God had did just that. And God events showing his sovereignty over, sovereignty over all nations, 
God says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I he will accomplish all that I please. In other words, all of his pleasure. That's in Isaiah 44 and 28. So we see here he calls Cyrus his shepherd. The title shepherd deals with sheep. He's the leader of the sheep. He had guardian of the sheep. He sets God's sheep and he's the protector over God's pastor. So that's the shepherd of the sheep. Here and again, another title because we know that Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. What we have to do in doing things like this, we have to see, just like Cyrus, Daniel, and all of the people mentioned in Bible, in the Bible, in this new book, we have to see that when God had created us or chosen us from the foundations of the world, there was a purpose that he had planned for us. There's a purpose for us being redeemed. Each person has a purpose in life. And when we come to God, we try to, we seek God and we seek that purpose because that's how we, that's in pleasing God, we walk according to what he had purposed us to do. If we seek him through his word, if we pray to him and talk to him, he's going to put us in the right place. That's what preaching and teaching does. He told Ezekiel to speak to the bones, preach to the bones. It would give them life. The word of God, preaching and the proclamation of God's word, gives us life. That's what gives us eternal life. That's our necessary food. But it's how we are strengthened. And as I said, as we assimilate that word, it guides us and leads us in all truth because just like Cyrus was his anointed, we have the God gives us the anointing which the Holy Spirit. That's the comforter that he had sent up, that he sent back. He had sent the comforter to guide us and lead us in all truth. That's the power from on high. We can say that's the anointing from on high. That's the ability. You remember I say, those that believe upon him, those that believe in his name, trust in him, have faith in him. To them, he gave the power to become the sons of God. That power is in the word of God. There's power in his words. That's why we continually speak his word. That's why we meditate on his word day and night. We have to become the word as Jesus Christ The word was God and was with God. The word was God. So we have have to abide in the word, and the word has to abide in us. Without abiding in that word, without being hid in that word, we will have a problem. So we have to see us as being something special, uh, God's peculiar treasure that God has chosen, and that we are valuable to God even though we feel insignificant and we see our past life as to what we were as insignificant and we die to that old person that we was. We don't live that way. We want to live for God now. We want to live to do the will of God and his pleasure and its greatness in that glorifying God. The historian Josephus says that Cyrus was informed of the biblical prophecies written about him. That's in the Antiquities of the Jews, uh, 
volume 11 and chapter 1 and 2. The natural, that, that was Josephus' writing. I don't know, you know, I don't know, I'm not saying that you should follow in a lot of research. That's up to the individual. That's in seeking God. You know, a pastor, a leader, a teacher, he don't create that hunger or desire in people. He just teach the word. He's a messenger, but there are those that go home and study the word of God. There are those that sacrifice and pay money to buy other books and read online and study about the word of God and the things of God. That causes growth in your inward life, and that's what God's pulling some people to do. That's what he has them destined for. That's the providence of God in their lives, the Spirit gently guiding and leading them into all truth. That's what setting them free. But it also puts them in the place that they should be in the church. God has a place for everybody. The ankle bone, the knee bone, all these things are connected. The body of Christ is connected. And you won't be in the wrong place if you search and seek the word of God. But what gets you out of the word of God, what gets you out of the body of Christ, you seeking a place that God hadn't called you to be in. It's like Uzziah, that he was a king. He was a king for 50-some years and reigning in Israel, but he went into the temple to offer up incense to God. Well, he wasn't supposed to do that. The Levites were supposed to do that. That was a job for the priest. He wasn't a priest. God struck him with leprosy. We have to find, he says, make sure of your calling and the vocation which God had soaked. That's why, like I said, a lot of people come into the church and then they just get comfortable and they feel that's all they should do. But there are people like Anna. She was continuing to do what she was supposed to do at the church, wearing to her hundreds. It's like Simeon that went to church and he met Christ at church. So we're to continue. There's no stop, stopping in God. Uh now, as a, as we continue this, it says, The natural person to have shown Cyrus the strolls was Daniel, a high-ranking officials in the Persian cabinet. Uh, that's Daniel 6 and 28. Probably Daniel showed Cyrus his name in the, in the scriptures at that time that was on the papyrus that you know, this one that Isaiah, who's long dead, prophesized by name some hundred years. That that more or less would invigorate or stimulate someone if you was to see your name in the Bible and say this is what God had said that you would carry out. You would be more stronger in that. And believe me, if we get to the part where our faith gets strong enough to see that our names are written in the book of life, that we are the sons of God, that faith can get so high is as Paul, you can see faith. Peter tells us this when he saw the man at the gate begging for alms, and Paul saw these individuals and saw that they had faith to be healed. It's a faith that's pulling so hard that it heals because you know his word promises and says that by his stripes we were healed. In if you come to the place of being that, 
the woman that had been sick that 38 years, that all those years, she said if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that goes all the way back to the Old Testament and into rabbis and the Torah where it says that touching the hem or touching the garments of the high priest, it carried powers of healing. And a lot of the things that Jesus did, the spittle being placed on the man's eye, you know, in Jewish history, and, and if you look in their books, the spit of the saliva from the firstborn was supposed to carry healing powers within that. But we don't want to get off into that because that's in, the, that's in secular writings or whatever. But like I said, if you start pursuing the things of God in, in trying to know more about God, if you hunger and thirst for that righteousness, God's going to lead and guide you to it. He's, you will be filled. That's why he says, those that hungering and thirsting for righteousness shall be filled. So as a Gentile, Cyrus must have had these things. Those things was there embedded in Cyrus. All God does is stir that up. That's why Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. God had placed something within his people that's released at a certain time. And that faith, the hearing. So my preaching, I'm not a fabulous orator or anything, but the preaching of the word, when you hear the words of faith, that's what activates your believing. That's what activates your trust. That you, it confirms God's It confirms what you've been thinking, something within you. That spirit connects with your spirit. It empowers so much that people have been known to receive their sights, to walk out of wheelchairs, to get up out of beds of affliction. Because God's word, he confirms his word, what Jesus was doing, all of the working of the miracles and signs and wonders, it was a confirmation of his word, of God's word. If Jesus wasn't doing that and the apostles wasn't doing that, people would be flocking to this religion at this time. But it's not just the signs and wonders, it's the words themselves. That's why the Hebrew boys, they had that faith where they knew the word was right within itself. They said, we know that God is able to deliver us, but if he don't, we still not go by. In other words, we still go be obedient to God's word because we know the sovereignty is in God's hand. He heal whom he will, and he'll deliver. So deliverance came through Cyrus. Deliverance comes through Jesus Christ. It is all these things come through him, but we have to know in his word that as the man told Jesus, Jesus says about being here, he says, you can do it if they will. Yes. And Jesus says, I will be healed. So if it's part of his will. But see, sometimes we want things that the prosperity preachers and people say with well, a lack of faith on your behalf or what no, it just not may not be God's will for that person to okay. be healed or to overcome this affliction. That's part of glorifying God in the condition. Yeah. That that takes a greater faith because it says, Be content is with such that you have. 
See, it's a lot of people, it's a lot of Christians that may vote for the wrong people to vote in this election because they're not motivated by the morality about what you just spoke. To do good, to love just, to do justly, and to be humble. Well, they could do that because after their own pleasures, justice is slain in the street. The Bible tells us that Isaiah, there's no justice in the land. Do we see any justice in this nation? It's not happening. So that's where we're disobedient to God's word. But we should be doing justly. And so that's where they go vote because, well, this person's going to bring down the price of gas. Uh, this person's going to help with inflation. You're looking for a savior to save you from material things, but you're not looking at morality or what is being established in the land. So maybe you're not being led by the Spirit of God. There's another spirit that you're being led for. It says there's a many a seducing spirits out there. Just like Senator Cherub was led by spirit, even though God had spoke to him and told him to come and, and invade Israel and take away Israel captive, he couldn't distinguish from what he was, where he ended, and where God begins because he tried to take Judah and Jerusalem. And God caused his own sons to kill him. We have to know God's word. That's why we have to study God's word. We have to continue in God's word and know God. And he said to himself, Cyrus did not know him. Though Cyrus didn't know him. But Cyrus was a type of individual. And God dealt with Cyrus through his providential care. In leading and placing him in the right spot. And doing the right things. Besides his dealing with the Jews, Cyrus is known for his advancement of human rights, his brilliant military strategy, and his bridging of Eastern and Western cultures. So unlike the Chinese people, leader now, whatever, that not, not very great on human rights. Putin is not very great on human rights. Our last president wasn't too great on human rights. He wasn't a real brilliant military strategist. He didn't try to bridge gaps. He more or less was a divider. And so those characteristics, God's people wouldn't lean toward that. He says, my, my voice, my people know. So they followed Cyrus and knew Cyrus' voice and what Cyrus was doing because he was God's shepherd. But the reason we have the division in the nation and the divisions we have in the world, we have leaders now, this Christian, the national Christianity movement that's moved. All of this is not the voice of God. It's not the spirit of God. So God's people are not going to follow those things. Though Those things are not part of what a great leader or what someone that knows what God is. We have to know those that labor among us. We have to know is God working with this person? It's going to be manifest. If you working in God, he's going to give you a certain discernment. He's not going to allow you to be blindly led. It's impossible for the elect to be deceived. He was a king of tremendous influence and a person God used to help 
fulfill an important Old Testament prophecy. And everything is done to fulfill God's word, the confirmation of God's word. Because if we go back to the beginning, this is all about something God said. It's about God's word. Satan said, had God said this? And God didn't really mean what he said. And it was all about words. And that's the most dangerous thing in life today. The power of the tongue, the power of life and death lies in words. It's in what we say. We can speak life or we can cause life to cease by just the word. You have to guard your tongue. You have to guard that was coming out of your mouth. By all accounts, even those of his enemies, Cyrus was a model and to the Greeks an ideal king. Though Cyrus built his empire primarily by con- conquest, local people often greeted him as a savior after his impressive victory over rulers. He's remembered as being even-handed, humane, and respectful of indigenous cultures and religions. And that's what we don't have today. A lot of leaders of people not being respectful or tolerant of others' cultures or their religions. The hostility that we raise against people and against people groups and Beings in, in, in generally human beings, what we raise against them, we're not living with brotherly love and loving all people because God's a good deal with that which is not right. He hadn't made us a judge or a ruler. We're to work out our salvation. And sometimes you've heard the old people or people tell you, "Live and let live." Yes, yes. God had made us to do certain things. And if he had, he'll tell you that. He, he designed some people to, to be leaders and do certain things, and some he don't. So some people are very offense. And what does James say? The saying that offend not in word or deed is a perfect and upright man. So we know to the evil people or wicked people anything that they can perceive is offensive. It was like Peter told Jesus, say, do you know that they was offended what you said? Well, see, that's all in what he was telling Cyrus. He's going to make that which is crooked and straight. He's going to dry up that which is wrong. So maybe you're wrong thinking or whatever, and God has to remove all that. Cyrus also being a type of Christ is a sign of God's divine protection and God's divine works. Cyrus I don't think anybody got killed that night in Cyrus Army or whatever. They took over without a bout because it was Christ doing it. It was God's power. It was the Spirit doing the work. It was the night that Son of Cherub's whole army was killed. It didn't they didn't kill Son of Cherub that night, but an angel came down and slew a hundred and eighty five thousand Assyria. So this angel may have, may have been botulism or something in which they ate that they died from, you know, because eating, you know, a lot of us, we've been so sick, sometimes we could all, we felt that we was almost about to die or something. <laughs> you know, you get food poisoning or different things, and with almost that large or whatever, it could have been that. But a lot of Christians or people, you know, especially older back, would imagine an angel coming down with a sword, that may not have been the messenger. That's why I say that's some old preaching and teaching. Yes. You understanding what I'm saying? 
God's message just comes in different shapes and form, just like I said, when he poured out the sixth vial on the river Euphrates, I think it's talking about drying up false prophets, false teaching. God's removing supernaturally. He's judging the earth because the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. That's why he tells us, fret not self because of evildoers. He's not talking about us going out killing anyone. We would be violating his, his commandments because he says, thou shalt not kill. When God kills, it's not murder in the sense. It's God bringing about his justice, his judgment. That's why we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. I'm in the process of answering. I never get into it, but my wife's auntie is a Jehovah Witness that works and that lives in North Carolina. And she, I, when she texts, she included me on that text about the kingdom of God. And I've been working. It's a pretty long text because she, it was a ta- long text which she sent me. But it's from my aspect of religion as I live, looking at the kingdom of God. Not from the Jehovah Witnesses prospect because there's no salvation in that as they preach and teach the kingdom of God because it's connected in the Old Testament. But we have to live in the New Time, the New Testament. And that old covenant we see in the book of Jeremiah, Jesus came and established a new covenant that brings about the kingdom of God. And so I say we have to study no religion. You can, you can talk with people and have a con- now whether God opens their mind or their understanding in you witnessing and talking and conversing with your relatives and people. You have told them what you stand for in your religion. If she can text me a mile-long text of what her religion says, I can text back a mile-long re- <laughs> list of what my religion says, the yes. proclamation of the true God. That's what we're supposed to do. Yes. But if so many of us agree with our neighbors and people yeah. coming along and not tell them, well, no, you live in a bad, something's wrong here. I was talking to Brother Brazil today on checking on him. And we started talking, but he was trying to put all of the blame on the ministers about the ministers, the prosperity preachers, and what the preachers preaching. I said, now all the fault don't blame belong on them now. Mm-hmm. If the people didn't follow that or love that, it wouldn't be a market for that. If you didn't sit there and give him all your money, like I was telling you yesterday, you're responsible to know those that labor among you. So the blind leading the blind, you must be like that if you can't tell that that person's wrong. Like I say, God opens our eyes, and if our eyes are open, we'll see that everybody's going to have to stand before God for themselves. Our own sons and daughters, that's why we always tell them and tell them, but we can't stand before God for them. They can't point back and say we something we did. They can't blame the preacher. They can't blame their parents. You can't blame anybody for your lack of not doing what, because that's how it had commanded what he told Ezekiel. You tell them, Ezekiel. Now, if they don't change, their blood's on their... But we are commissioned to tell them. We should tell them what God says. Uh... Martin scholars sometimes credit him as being the founder of multiculturalism and the first to publish a declaration of human rights. It's in the Cyrus Cylinder of 538 BC. The Cyrus Cylinder reports all the inhabitants of Babylon bowed to Cyrus and kissed his feet. 
jubilant that he had received the kingship. Even Babylon receives Cyrus. All of the nations, he was a well-liked leader because of his policies. And maybe that, see, that's, God has his reasons for choosing people and doing what he do. Just like I was telling you, Esther was appointed for a time. So it's not just by chance or happenstance that she took Queen Vashti's place. Nothing happens just by chance or accident with God. It's a purpose, and we're the thing. Lord, why are you allowed this to happen, or why this is going on? We shouldn't think God is picking on us. If we're suffering or something going on in our life, it's a reason, and that's why we pray and talk to God, asking him to give us an understanding of it. Whatever you do with prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. Talk to him about it. Sometimes other people will tell you things or whatever, but maybe God is sending you to the person that can tell you the right thing. Yes. Sister came in, asking the other day, being ill and, and brought it to the forefront of the church or whatever, and we prayed and talked about it, and by God Almighty, she's feeling much better today or whatever. But that's the right process because it says, if any of you sick, if anything's wrong, bring it to the church. Well, when you bring it to the church, the church should be able to do something about it or direct you to the right spot. We have to watch the counselors of the people who we seek to get counsel about it. But some people would have said, well, just eat a little baking soda, this and that. Well, okay, I understand home remedies or whatever in these things, but... Elijah, I mean, Isaiah, you remember when the prophet Hezekiah was sick or whatever, and Elijah told him to put a poultice of figs on. But he did consult the prophet of God. That was a prophet in the Old Testament when he was sick and had a disease in his feet that after the prophet came, God says he wasn't going to get up off his bed of illness because he didn't seek God first. Stop putting God second in your life. You go to God first, and then God will direct you from there. But God's first in everything in our life, no matter what it is. The king, as was his policy, allowed his vassal states to retain their cultural and their religious identity. The he advanced funds for the repair or restoration of public buildings, particularly temples, shrines, and he reversed the Babylonian policy of forced relocation of conquered people, allowing their descendants to return to their ancestral lands. So all of these people that was captives, he let go back to their own homelands, worship the God that you want to worship or whatever. This made him a very popular king and a leader. Because, you know, a lot of people envious or try to force people to go the way that they're going. But maybe God hadn't destined them to go the way that you're going or to be what you are. So all you can do is preach or tell somebody, but let your children live their lives, please. When you witness to someone, you've told them. You don't sit around criticizing and bad-mouthing what somebody's doing all the time. All you do is put up a wall. You stop those people from visiting you or talking to you. But you should be able to get along with people and live people with people or whatever. And what happens, happens. But we try to be in control of situations. Every time we see our grown children, 
we telling a, a nitpicking about something in their lives or something they're doing. Hadn't you told them that? Maybe you should be praying that God and their friends or somebody else would tell them or whatever, that God have his way. But we have to learn to leave some things in God's hand. So, that's what Cyrus was doing. He had conquered these nations. So in his mind and thinking, their God couldn't have been any stronger than he was or whatever because he still was over them. He still was their conqueror. So let them go over there and practice what they want to practice. A lot of people get in fights, and that's what I was talking with to Brother Bazile, with this thing about homosexuals and men marrying men and women marrying women. Okay, so that's what the nation has become. We still mourn inside and pray for the nation. But if you got homosexual relatives or lesbian relatives or whatever, it's no need to go to blows and things with them or whatever about their life. They know where you stand on it or whatever. So be like Daniel in the lines. Then let the lion be the lion and you be Daniel. It doesn't change either one of you. God protects who you are, what you are. That's why his children grow up together. You didn't see Jesus even addressing some of these issues that we talk about nowadays. But we are protesting, blowing up abortion clinics and doing all these things, getting into violent and malicious fights. Suppose that's what they are. God had turned them over to a reprobate mind. Well, how can you turn them back if God's turned them that way? He wouldn't have gave us the scriptures, follow peace with all men as much as lies within you. We need to try to be peacemakers. Sometime that peacemaking comes at, at, the, at the price of allowing people to make those mistakes and do it. You notice the contention between Jesus and the Pharisees? But he never did try to win the Pharisees over what, did he? Because the Pharisees was who they were. Did he try to win Judas over? Did you see him say, man, Judas, it's written in this. You see what it says you would do here and all that? He wasn't trying to win Judas over because he knew he was a devil. We try to make wolves sheep. It's impossibility. He says, you are your father, the devil. There are some people that are devils. So it's not for us to choose, but we should preach the word, those God feel that they are his or those that are born for the word, they hear the word and God converts them. But only the spirit adds to the church such as it should. We can't put anybody in church shaking the preacher's hand or coming up to doing any amount of money. Anything. You can't get saved that way. The spirit chooses who he will, who God had destined. This thing is done. It's a done deal and we just walk there and it's finished. That's what my leader say. It is finished. All we have to do, walk it therein. So after you do these things, what Cyrus did, Cyrus did. What people talk about Cyrus and why he did it. But what Cyrus was at peace is that he did what God had told him to do. It doesn't say that Cyrus was ever converted or whatever. There's a lot of kings. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that Daniel's God was the God. But notice that he, even though he wrote chapter 4 of the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar wrote that chapter. But it doesn't show that he gave up poly, I'm monothe, I mean, polytheism. 
They, it's a lot of people that acknowledge that God was who he is. It's a lot of people out there acknowledge that there is a God, that there was a Jesus Christ. But they don't follow him. They believe in God, but they don't follow him. They don't do the things that he say do. The next thing is that Cyrus' decree in 538 B.C. returning to Jews to Judea and authorizing the rebuilding of the temple was nothing out of the ordinary for this unusual monarch. Second uh, Chronicles thirty six twenty two to twenty three, Ezra one one through eleven, and six two through five. We read later in the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, Ezra was one book at one time in the Jewish writings. It may still be connected or whatever. But we see the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem and where Sanballat and a lot of people was giving Nehemiah and the the exiles who had returned was giving them problems when they was building back the walls of Jerusalem. Remember I told you Cyrus had issued the decree to start rebuilding the temple, but it was Darius' reign in which they were rebuilding the walls or whatever. And when Sanballat questioned this and tried to block it and stop them and went against the Jews, they searched the writing of the Medes and the Persians, and they found a decree where Cyrus had decreed for them to go back and build and do this. But someone else had fashioned the argument, other Jews and other people, that they was trying to rebel against the King Darius and against the Medes. A lot of people, when you're doing things for God, when you're on your road to holiness, they're going to try to take you off that road and maybe show you another Christianity or something else. As I was saying, it, when her auntie came by, we spoke with her and everything, and she said she was going to come back before she get ready to leave to sit down or whatever. Most people go say that or whatever, and I know sometimes she calls and talks to my wife or whatever. But when I'm involved most of the time, that's not going to happen. They don't want that to happen because I'm a much more abrasive than my wife is, and it's going to be a stand there, just like I tell you when I'm texting. Maybe that strain of the text will get dropped, and she'll just go back to texting my wife. Well, we have to realize, are we the ones to deliver a message or a proclamation? So Cyrus was this one that was chosen. It wasn't any other king or anybody. It was Cyrus to do it. We have to realize that God chooses who to do what and that. There are some people that are leaders and some are not. Some want to lead but are not chosen. Jeremiah said, there'll be many that run in my name and I hadn't sent them. There's a lot of false prophets and antichrists out there today. Since the Jews had no idols to restore their temple, he restored to the temple articles that Nebuchadnezzar had removed from Babylon and after Jerusalem had fell. You can read that in the book of Ezra. He had put a man over that and he gave them all of those utensils and things that Belteshazzar was drinking out of. All of those things he confiscated when he came in that night and the handwriting that was on the wall when he came in that night, that was confiscated, that was set aside. But when he issued that decree, that proclamation of what God says, he gave all 
those articles to them to take back and put in their temple that he had decreed that they build. These acts completely fulfill Isaiah's prophecy that Cyrus, not for price nor reward, would rebuild Jerusalem and the temple as well as allow the exiles to return to their land. That's Isaiah 44, 28 and 45, 13. So, you know, Cyrus wasn't doing this for money. Uh, for, he wasn't motivated by anything. I was telling you, God looks at what motivates us, why we're doing what we're doing. But we see this was by the Spirit of God. This is what I was telling you, telling you, where sovereignty is God over all things and controlling all things. But when we talk about providence, we're talking about God, divine guidance and leading. And that's why I say he was God's anointed. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. The anointing what takes away from bondage because the anointing is that authority from God that causes us. And that's why when we are anointed with the Spirit, when God anoints us, when we receive of his Holy Spirit, he says he'd go away that he could send the Spirit back with us mm-hmm. that would be in us. As that Spirit grows in, in us and as we hunger in a field with God's Word and study the Word, it's go guide us and lead us into all truths. And the truth is what makes us free. And that's where the growth comes from. That Daniel talks about that knowledge would increase. The increase in knowledge. And we see that he showed Cyrus the hidden wealth. The hidden riches that came from him conquering all of the nations around him. There are hidden riches and blessings for us following God. That's not just material, but it's in health and it's prosperity in all. That's just like Joseph, that Pharaoh seen that God was with Joseph and anything that was put in Joseph's hands, it prospered. That's why a lot of people come or be trying to be around God's people, God's true people or God's anointed. Uh, it's because God's people that are blessed, God whom God had blessed, he had blessed, and they're trying to attach themselves that's why Satan's ministers are transformed into angels of light. I was trying to get Brother Brazil to answer those things when he was saying those things because sometimes we hear words and scriptures and everything, but we don't get the complete meaning, the understanding of them. So that's why people are turning to the church, and that's why you have so many people in these different mega churches and everything. It's because of the business advantage. It's because of prosperity. It's because of different things. Peter tried to ask Jesus, say, Jesus, we've been looking for you. The people, all the people over here, they've been looking for you all night and everything. Where you been? What you doing? Jesus says he had came to preach the word of God. That's what he was doing. He said, those people were following me and asking for me because I healed them and I fed them. You heal, you do something good for a person, or you give him money or something, it's going to be hard to shake them loose from you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be mighty hard. They're going to always be there with the hand out. That's why a lot of people are talking about entitlements in the nation and everything. Because once you start giving away free stuff and doing things, people will think that you owe them that and that you should do that and then more. Mm-hmm. They're never going to be satisfied or content. After conquering Babylon, Cyrus continued his conquest 
attempting to expand his empire beyond the northeastern frontier. Here he met the nomadic Mascotec, led by their queen, Tomris. At first he was successful, but in 530 BC he was defeated and killed in battle, and his son Cambyses succeeded him on the throne. Now, uh, Cyrus as Isaiah's God's anointed, Isaiah 45, 3-7. I was telling you earlier that he what he had said about Cyrus. He says, And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches, and you will know that I am doing this. I, the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by your name, and why have, why have I have named you for this work? For the sake of Jacob, my servant Israel, my chosen, I call you by name, when you didn't know me, you didn't know me, but I've named you. I've told everybody that you was going to do this. And God brings about his word. We've been talking about the sovereignty of God, that God had proclaimed something from the beginning to the end. And what he says comes to pass. And we see a lot of him confirming his word in the New Testament by signs, wonders and miracles. We see that he says, let them speak. He had frustrated the astrologers, the stargazers, and all the prognostics and their prophets and things, and he had confused them. And that's what I say. The people that speak of things that they read in the Bible, but they are carnal, if you are religious and you are a child of God, you can see that division. You could see that darkness within that person. But it's up to you to leave that person alone and get away from around that and ask God to move you before you become entrapped or enslaved to that. It's like the people tell women or people that's being domestically abused or they're in a domestic abusive relationship. Well, don't stay that with that man until he finally kills you or whatever. He's been beating you and beating you or she's been doing this. Sooner or later, they will kill you in that. You have to know when the flee. Even Paul, he didn't stay around. He was he let down in a basket to flee away from. Don't stay in dangerous situations tempting the Lord thy God. You do have to have some kind of knowledge and common sense that God gives you. I am Jehovah, he says. There is no other God. I will strengthen you and sing you out to victory even though you don't know me. And all the world from east to west will know there is no other God. I am Jehovah and there is no one else. I alone am God. I form the light. I make darkness. I send good times and bad. I, Jehovah, am he who does these things. The one forming light and creating darkness. Create, I, I wrote this out of the Living Bible and the Amplified Bible, those particular verses, because in some Bibles in the King James says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. The Amplified says, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing peace and creating disaster. I am the Lord who do all these things. The Living Version says, I form the light. I make the dark. I send good times and bad. I, Jehovah, am he who does all things. See, because where Cyrus come from and what a lot of people, and I was telling you about Buddhism and the sign of Buddha with a little dot and a little circle opposite light and dark. I think it was the Chinese or the Japanese or whatever, the yin-yang principle. Yeah. 
when Persia you had Aurora Mazda, but you had uh, Zoroastrianism, and some people think about the light and the darkness as opposing forces. And I was telling you about some people think that devil and God's in some kind of cosmic battle or whatever. Well, no, that's not true. He's working for God. He's his servant. That's what he said. Leviathan is his servant. Leviathan is, is under his control. Satan is under God's control. God has all power. Don't think God is sweating and say, well, what can I do to beat Satan here? What can I do to help my child out of this situation? Don't, don't look at it that way. God is all powerful. And in, in, listen to this. In his sovereignty, he's doing all things. I told you about that yesterday about Senate Cherub, that he was an evil and wicked person. God doesn't call him his servant. He doesn't call him anointed. He doesn't call him a shepherd. But he said, he said, Senate Cherub, he sent the Assyrians up against his people to destroy them and trample them underfoot, to kill the women with babies and to bash them against stones and everything. God sent them to do all these things because that was their nature. That was in them. They didn't do it pleasing God or doing the will of God. They did it because that was them. It's like a snake biting someone. Why would you have a snake as a pet? If he bites you, you knew it was a snake anyhow. That's what snakes do. So he didn't take the Pharisees and say this about the Pharisees because they were, they were who they were. Stop trying to change people. Only God can change people. But what God is doing, he's redeeming the lost. The ones that are converted, those was the ones that was lost. They were seeking a way out. You can tell people that's comfortable and ease and, and you know, some people can hurt hurt a little child or hurt somebody or say hurtful things to people. And it doesn't bother their conscience. Then I could come back later and say, man, I'm sorry I did you this. I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry I did. No, they didn't have, I, I, I wanted to do that. Day. That's because something in you is ungodly. And that's what I say. If you unforgiving, God's going to chasten you. So if you're a child of God, he's going to chasten you. You have all kinds of problems. If you're a child of God and you do, because God has to what? Purge these things out of you. So he's redeeming the loss. In other words, that's why I say some people, some of God's children, he take out of this life. That's why the wolf has his sheep's clothing on because he killed that sheep. That sheep was hanging around that wolf. And like uh, Archie Bunker was saying on All in the Family, it's a commercial that comes on about Cain and Abel. He said that's why how Cain and Abel got it in the back with a stick from his brother Cain or something, he said. But anyhow, what God does, Cain was evil. He killed his brother. He was of the wicked one. Isn't that what the Bible says? So how can we change that? God comes, we're in this world laboring, and we're trying. We want these things. Somewhere it lies within us like Anna was always praying. Are you always praying and looking and seeking for God? That's the right thing to do. And to do good, to love justice, those are things. But there are some people that's plotting evil all the time. They're thinking evil. They're thinking how to trap people. That's who they are. God doesn't 
God changes vices into virtue, but it's in his redeemed people. He come to save those that were lost. He chose some. All of those that the Father had given him. That's why it says they're redeemed. They're born again. This is the second birth. This is a new birth. But what they were, they were lost. And now they are. God gives them unto the Son. And he comes and with the gospel they redeem. And how are they redeemed? By grace. They're given to God. It's Cyrus worked through grace. It wasn't some power authority of, of, of Cyrus. Cyrus did this. He, did, he didn't select the people. He said, whoever will go back and build. This shows grace. This shows election. So whosoever will, let him go back and build on the temple or whatever. But then during your judgment and during these times, it's only those that are motivated the right way that hears this proclamation in the word of God. They hear it in that proclamation. That's why I say we should make these proclamations in the creeds because that's in the Great Commission. He says going and making disciples. How do we make disciples? With the word of God. So when they hear the word of God, because God had destined us, he had told us to do the work of evangelists. Well, that proclamation comes, they can't hear without a preaching. And so we're preaching or speaking the word of God. So when Ananias and Sapphira, I mean, uh, Priscilla and Aquila would go around and they talked to Apollos because he seen something was lacking and he was baptized. So it didn't say a woman could could teach in that aspect. She wasn't pastoring a church or whatever. They came to Aquila and they talked to Aquila, I mean Apollos, and he will convert it. So there are some women that know the gospel and know the word of God. They're not preaching or standing behind, but in the privacy of your home or on the on your job or wherever you can talk about the Lord. That's what you should talk about. Or else, why wouldn't he tell the women, let them learn at home or let them learn from their husband? Because everybody needs to know what God's word say. If Eve hadn't known God's word, she wouldn't have been deceived. Yes, so hearing comes, faith coming by hearing, hearing the word of God. So if we don't speak the word, he says, speak the word in season, speak it out of season. If they don't hear from us, how can they have faith? How can faith be developed? Faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God, preaching and teaching your 